On today's show, we're going to talk to you about how OpenAI just killed the first generation of enterprise AI companies with the launch of ChatGPT for the enterprise. Plus, you're going to want to stick around because we're going to tell you about the most important feature of that announcement that no one's talking about. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. And this is Marking Against the Grain. Let's get into today's show. There is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Here, Flanagan, you're coming in hot off of some vacay. You've had some R&R. You're ready to have some spicy takes on the pod. Let's do this. I feel rested. I was hanging out in a coastal <laughs> village, eating Ooh. good food, smelling that sea air. I'm ready to get back into some spicy takes around AI. Okay. What we have to tell everybody is OpenAI had one of its biggest announcements ever. And I'm going to share the launch tweet right now from Sam Altman. They just launched ChatGPT for the enterprise. And so what the heck does that actually mean? You're like, wait, we've had ChatGPT since November. Like, why is this a big deal? Well, they're doing a special version of ChatGPT for the enterprise. And what it has is as enterprise-grade security and privacy. It has large-scale deployment support. It's really fast. It has the fastest and most unlimited version of GPT-4 and as a bigger context window. Because if you're an enterprise, you might be working on more complex problems. And so you can have 32,000 tokens, which is about 30-ish thousand words. That is a big deal and bigger than the current chat GPT contacts window, which I think is only 16,000 characters or about 14,000 words. And so we're going to talk about the winners and losers of this announcement later on the show. We are going to break down what we think the key features are of this announcement. But the big headline here is that the era of excuses to not adopt AI in your business is over with this announcement, right? Now there's a product out there for the even the biggest, most conservative, most AI-fearful companies. OpenAI has come out and addressed that, and we are going to see AI adoption across companies explode over the next 12 months. This is huge, Karen. Plus, that's not even it. We're going to talk about some of the big, big deal features, but those are the headline features that Sam just casually drops on Twitter yesterday. We're recording the day after this announcement, and... Kieran, a lot of things happened on the heels of this announcement, right? The thing that was always on the cards for OpenAI is they needed to give companies models where they were not training off the internal data companies were feeding into those models, right? Most companies, if you actually talk to them, and I've talked to a lot, I know you've talked to a lot, did not want to use OpenAI no. and add internal data or have their employees using it because they were like, hey, I don't want to have this like public model train off my data. So now they're like, hey, we explicitly do not use anything you give to us. This is like, you know, your own model that you can use data. It's not public. We're not training it. It is all like the traditional kind of enterprise compliance. The fact that it's two times faster is pretty incredible. You get bigger context windows, way more powerful for businesses who want to use it. But the other thing is you get unlimited code interpreter. That is huge. Which is like one of their real big plays 
getting into the enterprise. And nobody's really talking about this. There's a few things that nobody's talking about. The unlimited code interpreter is a big deal. And code interpreter is like what we did a whole episode showing you some of the use cases of code interpreter. We showed you how we were using it to optimize our podcast, our YouTube feed. And it is really, really powerful. And so actually giving that to the company in an unlimited way and giving them two times faster chat GPT for unlimited as well, unlimited usage. Today, it's capped at 50 messages every three hours, I think. So you get unlimited usage of both those things. So this is the kind of evolution that we knew was going to happen over time that would start to make companies much more comfortable with integrating it into the workflows. Today, most companies are using AI for ancillary kind of use cases, right? Not their core business critical use cases. It's more for like the kind of things that help people save time. Like they can actually do their jobs better, but it's not deeply ingrained in how the company works. I feel like this is the move to start to really get companies to deeply ingrain and think about how do I use AI across the entire company? Uh, so I think it's like a really great move for AI adoption within businesses. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the adoption part of this because it's going to be huge. There's a ton of stuff to react to here. My brain is a little exploded because of what's happening. But before we even get into that, Karen, one of the things, sometimes on marking against the grain, we take the W, sometimes we take the L. We're taking the L on this one. If you remember, we had a whole discussion about what OpenAI's long-term play, especially in the enterprise, was going to be. And you and I had this long back and forth. That we're like, oh, it's going to be like Amazon Web Services. They're going to have this really rich, robust, amazing API. And the developers at all these companies are going to build enterprise-grade apps on top of that API. While that is all true, and we were kind of right, we get, we get like a maybe a, a lowercase w on that, we did not see them also building a core software consumer front end for the enterprise. And that is exactly what they have done. And that to me is really, really shocking. And the biggest issue, and you and I teased this to each other off camera, but we want to talk more, is that there was a whole generation of AI companies that were basically built on top of ChatGPT. And I saw this tweet yesterday, <laughs> Kieran, and this is basically what those companies feel like. If you're wrapped around ChatGPT right now or the GPT-3 or 4 API, peace out. Right. What, if you are running These one of those companies today, <laughs> how do you feel? Like, what, what did you just say to yourself when you woke up if you were the CEO of one of those AI wrapper companies? You feel like all of the companies back in the heyday that build on Twitter's API, <laughs> when Twitter said, no... <laughs> No more, right? Like building on a singular company's infrastructure. Even if that company tells you they're going to be like a platform company and all of these kind of things, it's like very early stage, hard to really know what they're going to, to do. Like one of the things you saw that they teased in their future announcement was they were actually going to go vertical as well. They're going to actually yes. allow you to have models for functional teams. So the marketing team can have their own model trained on their brand data, trained on their tone of voice, trained on their imagery, trained on their design. That is like, horrible for a lot of companies who core value prop was take chat GBT or check GBT 3.5 at the time for and verticalize it for teams. Like companies were always going to want to customize these models for their own use cases, right? For coding, for marketing, for sales, for customer support. They were always going to feel much more comfortable when they can ingest their own data sets. And there's still like a big problem of like your data hygiene, right? How you actually have yes. your data structured in a way that's going to make it easy to use for these models. But I still always suspected that AI adoption would be capped 
if you're using these generic models. And the unlock is when companies felt like this was customized in some way to their needs. And I think this is a kind of moving of the guard a little bit. This is like, okay, we did all these kind of the AI wrapper era was like really cool to get people playing with the models in certain ways. But I suspect within those wrapper businesses, there are very few sustainable businesses in a world where the model themselves will provide all of that functionality in a much more custom way for your company. So there's a couple things to debate. The first thing I would say, if I was going to push my metaphorical glasses up on my nose here and get like a little like ecosystem nerdy on the program, it's very hard to build a huge venture-backed company on the top of an ecosystem where like you don't stand alone and own all the tech and own all of the customers, right? But what's normally very good is you can build some great mid-sized businesses. You can build amazing vertical businesses. And what's kind of shocking in this announcement from OpenAI is that they've taken a lot of that white space away. There's less opportunity today than I thought there would be to build on top of the OpenAI API. One, I think Sam Altman's a good entrepreneur, and I think he's a little bit savage. And he's just like, look, I want to own this whole market, right? Like I want to own it. I don't want to have this constellations of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of apps built on the ecosystem. So he's, he's taking a different business strategy approach. And so that's just one thing outright there that is going to, you know, hurt a lot of those what we call AI wrapper tools. And what that essentially means is you built on top of the open AI API. That being said, a lot of them, Kieran, my hot take, this is spicy. Some of them are going to be in great shape. And it's the ones that own the customers and own the user experience layer. Because if you're using ChatGPT Enterprise, you still have to like go to ChatGPT, do all of your work in there. It's still not super collaborative. It's starting to get multiplayer, but it's still really single player. And it's not really embedded in all of your other apps. So if you have multiplayer use cases and you have use cases that are embedded right within the user experience of applications, I think those companies are in a really great spot because that is just how people want to use and consume technology today. So I think that is true for companies who do not want to spend the money to build that layer themselves within the organization. So I think for OpenAI's target market, I'm not sure if that's true. Oh, interesting. So I think in OpenAI's target market, which today is like true enterprises, like large companies, mm -hmm. they will actually build that experience themselves. They will be much more lean towards, hey, why would we have these kind of different wrappers doing this stuff for us when we can just build it customized now ourselves with a couple of engineers, build the experiences that we want on top of OpenAI. I think for like middle, mid-market and smaller, that's where you start to see these tools be much more valuable. Hey, we don't have the money to spend on these developers. Yeah. We're going to just use something that is like not bespoke to us, but sits on top of OpenAI is like a one-to-many experience, but like does the job for us. The thing that was in the announcement that you and I kind of caught onto was they do mention that they are going to bring ChatGPT for the enterprise down to small businesses. Yes, nobody's talking about this. What are OpenAI trying to do here? I think they see a future where every future company is built with AI integrated into the company, right? Every company has yes. AI integrated into like every part of how that organization is built. 
Why would they want to cede that ground to anyone else? Why not try to be the category leader? So when you build a company, you get Snowflake, you get OpenAI, that's your like start in tech stack. And that's how you build company, right? Like whatever those versions are on the database side. But I think that's what they want to do is like, if you build a company with AI in the future, you build on OpenAI. We are a de facto engine that powers the next generation of companies. We don't want to cede any ground. And they are not the only company that are going to try to do this. Mosaic are going to try to do this and Tropic are going to try to do this. So like there's going to be a lot of competition, which actually is even worse for these wrapper companies because the the options for these businesses are going to be much greater. I do wonder how they do like the mid-market small SMB because they have less resources to build all of this stuff bespoke. So yeah, I think there is something for AI companies there who sit in the UI layer, who can do the one-to-many experience where you don't have to build it yourself. There's still a market there. They haven't like commoditized the entire market, but I do think we have to look at what their aspirations look to be. And I think it's like, hey, you build a company today, you build it AI first. That means you have to build on top of open AI and integrate our tools throughout the company. What's happening here for everybody, it's a classic business strategy lesson of they launch consumer chat GPT, get mass consumer adoption, and effectively claim the the very small business and small business market with regular kind of $20 a month chat GPT, right? And then they come out and they launched ChatGPT for the enterprise to try to take the Fortune 2000 off the table, the big, big companies that are going to go and be slower to adopt and have much more stringent requirements. Then what's left is the middle, right? Like the true mid-sized businesses. Right. And then they'll bring the enterprise offering down to make it simpler and lower cost to appeal to the mid-market companies. And then they'll try to basically own the full stack, whether that be you're using their APIs or if you're using their front-end kind of consumer tools like ChatGPT. So it's a very classic business strategy. It's being executed very well, being executed very fast, very, very fast. Right. The fact that they're this quick, it's 10 months since the launch of ChatGPT and they're rolling out a very sophisticated enterprise product is great. It shows that they're really, really kind of pushing. What I would tell you, Kieran, is I do, I do have a, an interesting take on the wrapper companies. I do think there is a role for companies to adopt a lot of the different APIs, OpenAI, Anthropic, some of the meta APIs, Seamless and th- those things, and, yep. and, and basically bundle them together to create new use cases that wouldn't be possible with any of them in isolation. And that is something that nobody's really talking about right now. And if I were running an existing company that was just built on open AI, one of the things I would be looking to do right now is how do I build really unique use cases by partnering with all of the best large language models? Right. Look, I can give you firsthand knowledge of this because Zapier allowed companies to build use cases through any model. And so we can actually see the users choosing to build use cases through Entropic or choosing to build use cases through OpenAI. And that is the future that we're going to head towards is like people are going to build use cases and apps and they're going to plug and play into these models and pick the best model for the best actual piece of work they they want to do. And hidden away in this kind of PR release, I think was like the line that talks to the, the thing that I'm getting at, which is like, we want to be the AI layer that every company builds on top of because they had in the future release, they're going to provide customization. This is the key word that we've kept saying is like, What we've gone through is like first AI era was kind of generic models, generic apps, but actually AI is much more powerful when it's bespoke to your company data, your company needs, your customers. And they have in this PR release that they're going to do customization, which means they are going to allow you to connect chat GBT with any app in your organization. 
Ooh. And so this is pretty bad Ooh. for one of my favorite AI companies, Glean, right? This is what Glean do. Yeah. They connect to any app, they ingest the data, and they provide like an AI assistant for your business. That is where I think we are going to go as a company, right? Like, why do you have to like talk to all of these people to try to find the right piece of information when your AI should be able to be the brain for the company? The AI should be able to help you power all of these decisions. The AI should be able to do so much more for you within the organization, and every company is going to have that AI assistant and OpenAI want it to be them. And the way that they're going to make it to be them is they're going to allow you to customize the model to your needs. They're going to connect with all of your apps, ingested data. And so they are going to be like the brain that sits within your company that allows you to like power all of these other things. I think that's the most important part of that PR release to me that they're going to do in a future update, which is like, hey, I can just connect this to all of my apps let all the data like run into ChatGPT and use that as the core AI engine for my business. I think that's a pretty exciting world to live in. Like you can imagine employee onboarding 200 times better with like oh, AI, right? So like this better. kind of engine, like all of that information, being able to, all of the data analysis in this as well, they say they're going to double down on advanced data analysis, way more powerful code interpreter. Again, an incredible part of having an AI business engine for your company. And so like, it's going to make building and operating a company so much more efficient. And I think OpenAI want to be the engine that powers all of that. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever notice how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Kieran, I agree with all of that. And I think there's one other thing that we actually haven't talked about at all. And what they're doing with this announcement of the custom data connecting to your apps, connecting all of your data, that is basically solving the biggest objection, the biggest concern you and I have for anybody who's in the large language model business, which is we're like, oh, this shit won't get commoditized. Everything's going to be the same. People are going to switch back and forth, right? And like the switching costs are going to be zero. And man, that's going to be a tough place to be in. Well, if you got all your data hooked up, you got all your apps hooked up and that's all just flowing and that yeah. model gets smarter and smarter every day. You know what you're not going to do? You're not going to switch. You're not going to switch. You're going to be like, I love right. OpenAI or insert whatever company you're, you're, you know, you have all that data kind of tuned into because your AI is just going to get so much better because your data is going to train it. And then whoever the company is running the model is going to keep making the model better. And you're just going to see these exponential improvements and you're never going to want to switch. Exactly. Yeah. This is like a really key point. Like every time I talk to a startup founder now in the AI I space, got you fired up. You, for, hadn't, this, you hadn't gotten there yet, but you're like, oh, I get this now. I had to change my uh, seating position here because I'm like, this is a great point, right? <laughs> every time I talk to a 
startup founder today in pre-seed or seed when they're actually a, an AI company, I'm always curious is like, what's your wedge and what's the thing that's going to increase switching costs? Because those two things are going to kill most businesses, especially the switching costs. That is a great point, right? Like what's similar to that, that we know is true for a marketer. In paid advertising, we talked about this a little bit in the previous show, the model trains off an ad, right? And so when an ad gets successful enough, that it's really hard to replace that ad. Like the switching cost of the ad is really high because so the algorithm has trained that on that ad. And when you actually create a new ad, it's always at a disadvantage, right? Because you have to like retrain the model against that ad. Not too dissimilar from this, right? Like the company is going to train all of their stuff to sit on top of OpenAI that's powered and trained off their data. So the switching costs are much higher because you don't have to reset all of that and go back to another model to have to like retrain all of that again to get all this stuff to work. So this is the first mover advantage. Truly matters in AI in this space if you can make that switching cost real because you will never want to switch to another model unless they do something completely crazy on price, unless they do something completely differentiated yeah, in the functionality. The price to so I think that's a really good point, right? This switching costs are the thing I would obsess it over if I was an AI company. How do I make my switching costs like really high? How do I add a lot of friction from a customer wanting to like go do something else? Well, this is like a great thing for OpenAI to do is like, hey, we'll connect to all of your apps, make that model much better. Why would you ever want to leave when you've trained the model for three, six months before all these other companies have caught up? Well, you don't want to start again, right? No one wants to go backwards, right? Unless you want to watch the new Matrix films again. Awesome. I watched (laughs) Bill and Ted movies again over the weekend. I mean, like Bill and Ted, some of the greatest movies ever made. The John Wicks. So the John Wicks. But there, you don't mind going back to the start again. But this, no, you don't want to go back to the start. You want to keep that model. Well, well, first of all, I don't know what it says about you and I that all of the rewatch movies we called out were all Keanu movies. First of all, I love Keanu Reeves. Something special about that. I want to hang out with Keanu Reeves. No Denzel. I want to go for a drink with Keanu Reeves. No Tom Hanks. Keanu. Keanu is awesome. But speaking of that, I was wondering, Kieran, would you want to do a quick winners and losers of this announcement? So, like, I would love to start with who we think the winners are of this OpenAI ChatGPT Enterprise announcement and then who the losers are and kind of bundle that together real quick. I'll give you my first winner. My first winner is the easy one. It's OpenAI. It's really smart for them as long as they can build an upmarket sales and service motion that actually works for the enterprise. They're going to make a bunch of money on ChatGPT for the enterprise. I'll give you two winners. I think there's a winner, which is a segment of companies that have a lot of things that they want to do with AI. They have real use cases and they have been sitting back because they don't feel comfortable with the security, the privacy, the not training on their data. They're going to be huge winners that they can just start to integrate this stuff really rapidly. And the other winners are the companies who facilitate that. Any companies that are able to like help companies integrate AI much more deeply in their business critical workflows, there's like a portion of work that's sitting there that's going to start to get acted upon because of like this kind of announcement. So I would specify that I think especially the like data and integrations companies, they're winning. They're winning from the AI revolution, but anytime there's a big announcement like this, it's if great you time help to people be a data store, company. normalize your data, you're a winner. And you know, I think we have one more winner, right? And that winner is the VP of sales at NVIDIA that sells to OpenAI and Microsoft because he saw this announcement or she saw this announcement and was like, money, baby. They're going to need all the GPUs. They're swimming in the pool of money. That is basically the NVIDIA founder. I just cannot believe I own no stock in NVIDIA. I suck so much at investing. Like, what a <laughs> douchebag am I? What? Like, I actually told the story before. Like, I actually, I know, I f-ing bought Solana back in the crypto craze thinking NVIDIA is overbought. And then they just go on this, like, ridiculous. 
And I listened to a great interview by that founder. He's incredible. And I'm like, this guy's the most incredible person ever. And I still don't buy his stock. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I should. He's probably the most obvious person to bet on ever. And I yeah. won't do it. <laughs> no, but I will go and buy like dude coin or something like some stupid sh- coin mem try and get rich quick and then i just like lose all my money as usual we got so excited the mics are switching on us we're losing our mind at kieran's terrible investing but kieran one of the other things that we haven't talked about yet i think the last thing i want to make sure we cover on today's show is that chat gpt for the enterprise you know what it's not going to be cheap it is going to be expensive the rumors i am hearing very very expensive and I think that is a real tax on conservative enterprises where they're going to have to pay up lots and lots and lots of money. I don't know. I'm hearing hundreds of thousands of dollars, minimums. Like I, I think it's expensive. I don't know exactly what it is, but you're going to have to fork over some real cash to build on chat GPT for the enterprise. What do you think about that? Like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What does that do? I think costs get sold over time. The fact that they have in their release, they're going to bring to the small teams. Anything associated with AI chips, the processing power, all of that stuff, I think the cost will be a solved problem is a solved problem. I think they're purposely, like to your point, they're targeting the Fortune 500, 1000, then they'll start to move down the stack. And part of that is being able to like have costs that are affordable by those companies. So I don't see them getting stuck through prohibitive costs. I'm sure they get squeezed a lot over time by more competition against costs, but that's not the thing that I think they get squeezed on. I think today, maybe it's like too expensive for most companies, but over time, I bet you they make it pretty affordable by the majority. All right. So you're saying, look, the enterprises are going to pay a tax, but those costs are going to come down over time. I think so. Disagree. Enterprise software contracts always get more and more expensive. The price are going to come down for the mid-market and SMBs, but like those enterprise software agreements stay expensive. It all depends on competition. You charge whatever you can, you know, you're going to charge whatever you can charge. Look, if enterprise AI rates come down, costs come down, you get the W, just you. You get the W. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's some obvious winners. NVIDIA basically always wins anytime OpenAI does something. But Kieran, there are some obvious losers in the chat GPT enterprise announcement. We talked about one front and center, which is companies who were building standalone businesses on top of the OpenAI API. And a lot of their business and use cases are now commoditized by this new chat GPT for the enterprise product and the specific features that are rolling out. Who do you think the other losers of this announcement are? Anyone who thought their differentiation was building a vertical version of GPT-4? That's the one I'm going to give. It's like anyone who's building the vertical version. Vertical AI companies, like you're calling functional version for marketing, for sales. Like the functional version of ChatGPT. Hey, this is trained for marketing. This is trained for sales. This is augmented for customer support. You don't need those companies. You can do that yourself. Just give GPT your data in the enterprise and you can have that ready and available for you. And they're actually introducing templates. They're going to have all of these templates for all of these functions as well. Oh, yeah. It's going to be sick. It's going to be awesome. The other thing here, I think the other big loser is the other large language models because the enterprise is a race. And OpenAI has a lead with the enterprise. And we just talked about, man, if they can get established in those big companies, they can get their model trained on that company-specific data, it's going to be really hard for Anthropic or any of the other large language model players to come in and rip that out. And obviously, some of the big companies, they'll use all of them because they've got money and everything. But budgets always get squeezed. And 
the incumbent has an advantage and OpenAI is moving to be the incumbent. The only unknown is the open source. Oh, yeah. Models, right? Like if you have a company that makes it really easy to train on an open source model, then that is the thing that I am unsure about. I don't think that there is a clear winner in this space yet. I think OpenAI have the distribution engine, have the brand, have the early mover advantage, but there is still a lot of plays to play. And I think open source is one of those things. Now, maybe it's like the larger companies do not feel comfortable training on an open source model, but I still think there's a lot of great enterprise companies who have built on top of an open source product for IT infrastructure, for developers. And so there's a well-worn path there, and that could be, that could be disruptive to OpenAI because the cost will be a lot lower. So open source is the core disruptor for OpenAI, but it's also for all the other large language models that are closed markets, right? So I still think the other large language models took a little bit of an L today. What I'd love to hear, and what we'd love to hear, is your take on who the winners or losers of this announcement are in the YouTube comments. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube, please. If you've watched the show, if you think this is a great conversation, you're learning stuff, please hit subscribe. Please leave comments on winners and losers. And also, Kieran, we have to remind everybody, you know what's coming very, very soon, as in next week after the show airs? We're going to be at Inbound, HubSpot's big event in Boston. Yes. We're going to be live, doing a live show. So if you're at Inbound, please come to the live recording. Please come say hi. We would love to talk to you. And if you're not, be prepared for a very special live from Inbound episode of Marketing Against the Grain. Kieran and I in person, we haven't seen each other in like six months. You know, we got a lot to catch up on. It is going to be a fun and action-packed episode. And of course, we're going to talk about AI. A hundred percent. Casually doing this on a stage with thousands of people. It's going to be a bunch no of fun. No big deal. No, no pressure. We, we, we got this. No Live big deal. pod versus no doing it deal. like in little rooms in our house. It's going to be totally the same. It's going to be awesome. All right, everybody. We will talk to you very soon on the next episode of Marketing Instagram.